Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 233. A lot of people ask me how I balance it, and I still feel like there is no balancing. I like to say I juggle. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you for joining me here today. I'm starting with an important announcement for those of you who are listening in live time. So that is the week of September 23rd, 2019. I want to give you a heads up that the doors to the Makers MBA program close once again this Thursday, and they're not going to be opening again until somewhere around the second quarter of 2020. So if you've been thinking about this, teetering on the fence, I think that's the way you say that, (laughs) the time to act is now. A conscious decision one way or the other. And truly, when the deadline hits, that's it. Integrity is a really important core value of mine. So when I say something, that's exactly what happens. Integrity. A really important example as a business owner, and if you haven't called it out for yourself, I encourage you to do so. If you don't know what Makers MBA is about, real quick, it's an all-inclusive lifetime access program that is specifically made for makers. So as I call all of you, gifters, bakers, crafters, makers. You'll go from feeling overwhelmed, confused, and discouraged, any of you guys feeling like that right now? because you don't know how to start your business or not sure how to move forward in your existing business. You go from that to feeling energized and confident as your company gets off the ground and starts producing a steady flow of customers and sales. Not only that, but you'll know exactly what to do to keep the dollars flowing. If you wanna know more, check out the details at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash makers MBA. But remember, the doors shut Thursday night. At first, I thought about saying slam shut, but I like the image much better saying they gently close tight and those of us inside start getting to work on a very rewarding experience. Again, the link is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash makers MBA if you'd like to learn more. So let's talk a little bit now about today's episode. It's a great example of what can happen when you make online connections. My guest and I have been casually communicating through Instagram for a few years. I admire her products and she shares what she likes about the show. She actually left a review a while back, which was a gesture that I truly appreciated. Then about a month ago, she reached out wondering if she could be on the show. Here is why I said yes immediately. First off, we already knew each other, albeit not in person, but a relationship has been established. Second, I've been watching her business develop over the years, and I see that she's consistent in her communication and dedication to growing her business. So this is someone I'd be interested in talking to and sharing with all of you. And third, she took the initiative and not only directly asked for what she wanted, she explained to me the value that she could bring to you. Because when people want to be on the show and it's 100% self-serving, which believe me, I get all the time, the immediate answer is no. Guests always have to be providing information for you with no strings attached. If not, you guys aren't going to keep listening. So in truth, this was an easy and immediate decision. I responded yes in like a minute, (laughs) but the entire interaction I just described happened over some time. This is the value of connections for you that you can use with prospective customers too. They might not buy the first time they meet you, online or in person, but that doesn't mean there's no future. It's a work in progress. Okay, you guys ready? Let's get to know all about Annie. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Annie of Natural Annie Essentials. 
Annie was born and raised on the beautiful island of Jamaica. So she's no stranger to the nourishing, healing power of oils and herbs and has always been a creative soul with an eye for all things bright and bold. When her first daughter Tiffany was born with spina bifida and hydrocephalus, she turned to natural remedies to help her skin because the prescription medication didn't work. After trying a variety of natural butters, essential oils, and other natural oils, she finally found the remedy for Tiffany's skin issues. And this is how Natural Annie Essentials was born. Natural Annie Essentials is your island-inspired, one-stop shop for uniquely scented handmade soy candles and bath and body products. They aim to make you and your home look, feel, and smell good. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast, Annie. Thanks for having me today, Sue. I am so excited to talk to you. And we were just talking a little bit before I pressed record about how you and I have interacted for, I don't know, maybe three years through social media, but we've never had a chance to talk voice to voice. I can't say face to face, but voice to voice. So this is the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so true. And I'm so excited. I know. It's really, really fun. I want to stay with tradition here on the podcast. And before we get into your story and we learn more about you, I'd like you to share with us a little bit of what you're like through a motivational candle. So if you were to share with me a color and a quote that is a candle that speaks all you, Annie, what would it look like? My color, I would have a multicolored candle. I feel like colors just put me in a very happy place and make me want to do all the things. And my quote on that candle would be action over perfection. That's my daily reminder to just go out and do what I need to do and not wait for the perfect time because I've realized there is no perfect time. So action over perfection for me. Did you always feel that way or did you come across that as you started to get your business going? That was while I was in business mode. As I was getting my business going, It's just something I picked up along the way that has worked and is a constant reminder for me. I think it's a really good quote or something to think about because I think, and I'm guessing that there are people who are listening here now, it's a great way to say, well, I'm just not ready yet and put off something that might seem a little scary, starting a business and putting yourself out there. Like you've got to wait until it's perfect. And I love that you're saying that's not the case. Let's just get rolling here. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So give us a little bit more detail. I mean, I talked in the intro some about how your business started, but give a little more detail under that and possibly a little bit before that. What's your experience before you actually started your business? So before I started my business, I was working in corporate America. I was a research specialist with a very large IT research firm, and I was with them for about six years until I had my first daughter, Tiffany, in 2014, and that pretty much changed my life completely. Tiffany was born with spina bifida and hydrocephalus, as you had noted earlier, and it was not something that was diagnosed before birth. So it totally caught us off guard once she was born. What does that mean? What were the symptoms and what did that do to her that you had to overcome? So when she was born, spinal bifida is an opening in the spine. So she was born with what seemed like a bulge in her back. So her spine didn't fully meet from head to toe. So immediately after delivery, about like two hours after or four, between two to four hours after she had to be transferred to the NICU where they had to perform an emergency surgery to close the gap in her back. So that's the essence of the spina bifida. Now, the hydrocephalus, while we were in hospital about a week later, after doing multiple tests, they realized that she also had hydrocephalus, which is caused by the spina bifida. So what hydrocephalus is, is basically fluid building up in the brain. So they had to do another surgery for that, inserted a shunt, which now helps to remove the fluids from her brain to her stomach. First, let me say, obviously super serious. So as a mom, that had to be so challenging and difficult, seeing your little daughter having to go through that. But it sounds like she came through it well, right? Absolutely. Yes. So how do the natural butters and essential oils, because I was thinking this was more like it progressed into a skin issue. 
Actually, it did. So because she was on all these medications while in the hospital, once we came home about roughly about a month and a half later, she was no longer on those really strong meds. So her skin started to break out. And I remember she had this really bad rash on her butt that would not go away. We were back and forth to the hospital with it and nothing was working. So I grew up in Jamaica with my grandparents. My grandmother was here with me at the time. So we kind of just tried what we were familiar with, which was our natural cocoa butter, shea butter, and essential oils. So I started to blend these different ingredients together with caution, of course. And then that's when we finally started to get some relief on our skin. It was amazing. So for me, there was no turning back. And that kind of led my progression into formulation and aromatherapy. And I actually went into school to get certified for aromatherapy after that. Got it. Okay, so are you saying that you tried some things like more over-the-counter type things that you weren't finding something that was helping her first? And so then you just started doing your own thing or did you automatically start creating your own mixtures? We tried what was prescribed first and some stuff over-the-counter and then we weren't getting the results. So then we started to make our own mixtures at home. Got it. And so was your grandmother helping you too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was a head mixer. She's a head mixer. <laughs> Well, that had to be really, forget the business side, but that had to be really exciting and rewarding to see that you were finally getting some relief for Tiffany. Oh, yeah. I mean, from just her skin, we were starting to use oils just in the house in general to clean, to help to make her sleep. So it was a really fun time around here, around those times. Well, you needed some fun, it sounded like. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a newborn is a struggle and a challenge enough, but then based on having to have some surgeries and all, that's double. Yeah. Well, first, on behalf of me and all my listeners, we want to reach out to Tiffany and say hello. And we're thrilled that things sound like they're going great now. So that's good. That's really awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So, Let's talk more about the product. So you were continuing to make these mixtures and all that just for yourself, for your own purposes. Yes. And so where was that point? Kind of take us to that time when all of a sudden you're like, hmm, maybe this would be helpful for other people too. Maybe it could be a business. Yeah. So after I had enrolled in my aromatherapy program and we, in that particular class, we did a lot of formulation. So it was just mixing different products together, how to use essential oils, how to safely use essential oils. And I really was enjoying that portion of it. Then I started to just use a lot of essential oils at home and I would share it with friends and families. I would even have like make and take parties with essential oils. And a friend of mine, actually, she was the one who inspired me to start a business because she loved particularly, there was a face scrub that I was making and she loved it. Her skin loved it. So one day she said, you know what, you should put a label on this because you have something going here. So that's kind of when I took that advice and later on opened my very first Etsy shop. It's so interesting how it's usually someone besides ourselves who makes the suggestion and then all of a sudden it feels right. Exactly. Because I was just having all the fun over here. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like we need the validation or it's okay if someone else has the idea instead of us sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. But I hear that over and over again. So yeah. And I never really, I knew from a young age that I wanted to do something with business, but at that point, it just never clicked that this could have been it. Right. So that push was kind of the push I guess I needed. Got it. So when you started doing the make and take parties, were you doing that just to get out the product or were you doing a little bit of research, seeing if you had an audience or what was your thinking behind the parties? The make and take parties. I actually started with this company called doTERRA. They're a very large essential oils company. And I was just buying all these essential oils on a monthly basis for myself. And so I needed to do something else with them. So I just started with having friends come over. When they would come over, we would just make stuff, drink wine, and just have a fun little evening. Oh, man, I would be there. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. So make and take, and then they would take back whatever they made and use them to get a feel for what these type of products can do for their body. Yeah, exactly. And it was just trying also to introduce them to essential oils and how powerful it is and how amazingly healthy it is for us. And they were having a grand time with that. That's awesome. And then from that, 
you were seeing that friends were starting to buy from you or was just the parties? I wasn't even selling. Okay. It was just the parties. I wasn't even selling at the time. Okay. So girls over, having some wine, mixing the oils, them taking things home. So you were seeing that there was an interest in the product. Forget about a business yet because you hadn't even started thinking Mm -hmm. about that. And then it was a friend of yours who said, hey, Annie, have you ever thought about a business? Yeah, that's right. Did it fit with you automatically? Like the second she said it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's an idea. Or did she have to sell you on it? Well, no, I thought about it. And then someone that I was working with, because with doTERRA, it's an MLM type of business. Uh So the person I would buy the oils from was telling me about the business side to doTERRA. So then I figured if I could teach my friends how to do this and they could get it for themselves, that would have been a way for me to do business. But then when I talked to them about it, they enjoyed like the make and take parties. They enjoy making the stuff and bringing it home. But it's not something they were interested in doing, say, every week if they were supposed to re-up their products. Right, because they all have their own lives and jobs and other things that they're doing. Exactly. So me making it for them, providing an already finished product was where I kind of saw that business opportunity to say, okay, since you don't want to do it, I'll do it for you because I have all the fun doing this anyways. Right. Okay. So I want to stop you right here for a second, because I think we can talk to our listeners about this a bit. So many people are concerned about sharing how they make their product. Now, I'm not talking about giving away all the secrets or something. But what you did here in terms of the parties, having people see and get a taste of the product, if you will, seeing how it feels on their skin and maybe the certain scents that they like the best or that type of thing, developed an interest and a desire in them to have the product. So I'm thinking for some of our listeners who make something similar, this could be an interesting first step to attracting an audience. Let them participate in making the product for a while knowing full well, which is exactly what you found, Annie, is that they're not going to be able to keep it up long term, then they'll start buying from you. Exactly. Yeah. So I think give biz listeners, if you have a product that fits this idea, consider doing this because it's a great way to attract new business. Yeah. And it's a great way to see if you really like to do it, if you would really like to do it full term too. Yeah. Good point. Okay, so you've made the choice. You've decided that you're going to start the business. What were your first steps? So once I started the business, like, let me just back up a little bit to like my education. So I went to school for business. But once I started the business, I quickly realized this was a whole different arena. In what way? Just because now I had to apply the things and I didn't feel like while I was in college, I was able to apply it. Do mm. anything really. Mm-hmm. But now I had to actually do the things that I studied. So, one of the first things I did when I decided to start this business was to enroll in a local program. And it was a small business program that helps uprising entrepreneurs, or even if you just have an idea, to go through the process, the things you need to start your process, all, all the legal stuff that you need. I think most states do have this. So, I mean, this is something I would always encourage entrepreneurs to get involved with, even if they feel like they're a little bit ahead. It's always good to have it, too, as a refresher. So I did that program. And it really helped to kickstart me with finding out the things that I needed to do, whether it be licensing, certification, fees that I need to get done, all the legal stuff. So that really helped me to get off the ground legally. Okay. You set up everything, the stuff that's less fun, but the important things that you need to do to get a business started. Yeah, actually. Okay. Then what happened? I launched my Etsy shop. And I just went all in. I was taking the photos. I was making the products. And about a few months in, I set up shop at a local library where they had a pop-up. So I was starting to do a lot of pop-ups just to kind of get my name out there and to kind of see what it was like. But I feel like along the way, I just learned. I feel like there's no one path or no secret sauce, as, as some would say. I really feel like I just learned as I go. And Every time I tried something new, that was a new learning experience for me to take on to the next step in the business that I would head on to. So Annie, share with us a little bit of your experience of starting your Etsy site. Did you find it to be an easy platform to get started on or what would you say was your experience there? 
it was pretty easy for me to get started on Etsy because I was already shopping on Etsy. So it was just now being on the other side as to where I would be adding stuff on the platform to sell. And it was a pretty good option for me just starting out because I didn't have to do my own website, which cost a lot of money. And starting a business, I didn't have a lot of money to start with. So that was a pretty good entry for me. Right. What would be your suggestion in terms of how many products or photos or any ideas or tips you could give somebody who's looking at starting their own Etsy site? Well, now Etsy has changed so much over the years. I feel like photography is top priority on Etsy these days, both a mix of lifestyle photography and just product shots on plain white backgrounds. Explain lifestyle for our listeners. Lifestyle photography would fall into the category, say, I sell candles. So shooting the candles in areas of your home where your customers could easily relate to. So for example, on a desk or in a living room setting, on tables. So just anywhere your customers could envision them using your products. So a mixture of both, right? Lifestyle and then also product photos like flat lays or something. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so not just one or another would be your suggestion. No, because Etsy now, when you list a product on Etsy, they have lots now where you could put up to 10 photos. And they've made it easier now where for each photo you upload, they tell you or they suggest what type of photo you should be uploading. So it's a pretty decent layout that they have. So you pretty much just follow the steps. But a mix is usually required or recommended. Oh, got it. So for one particular product, you might do the product shot, maybe, then maybe a lifestyle shot and something else for each product. Yes. All right. Got it. Any hints about photography or cameras or can you still use your cell phone for photos? Oh, totally. Absolutely. I still use my camera phone for a lot of photography and it works amazing. I use those mostly for social media just because they wouldn't transfer as great on, say, a website. But I totally, you can still use your phone. It's amazing. My husband and I will go on vacation and he'll have all his big camera gear. And sometimes <laughs> little old me with my phone, my pictures turn out better. <laughs> Always. I have that same issues with my camera sometimes. I hardly ever use it. And I know zero what I'm doing with a camera, but I know what to do with the phone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so how long did it take? And I know it's been four years or so now, but how long did it take for your first sale to come through on Etsy? I think my first sale came through that very same week just because my friends were buying. <laughs> well, that's good because you get to test it all out, right? You want to make sure everything is working. Yes. It helped me to get my very first sale. But my first, I would say, customer sale came about maybe about three weeks in. It didn't come very quick. So I was still a bit on edge because in my head, it was still like, oh, people are not buying my stuff. Although a friend would have bought, but I didn't feel like that was enough for me to say, hey, I have a product line because mm -hmm. I feel like they would just buy it because they're supporting me and I'm their friend. So they're buying. But for, say, a, like a new customer, it took a few weeks. Okay, but you got them. Oh, yeah. That's the exciting thing is when you get somebody that you don't know for the first time, it's such a thrill, isn't it? It is. And it just makes you now want to make all the things and just to push forward with your business. Yeah. And when there's one, there are going to be more. It seems like it just flips a switch that, oh my gosh, somebody I don't know. Now let me go find more of them. Yeah. And it motivates you to start talking about your stuff. Naturally, I'm an introvert, but... You do not seem like an introvert. <laughs> oh, no, I am. <laughs> oh, no, I am. But it excites you to a point where you now you want to talk to people about your product. Because sometimes when, because I know when I first launched my Etsy shop, I was still kind of shy about it or didn't want to tell people about it that I do have an Etsy shop and, hey, you could check out my products. But once you kind of see people are taking a liking to it, it kind of opens you up more to wanting to share what you're offering. I got it. Yeah, because you're getting more confirmation then. So that builds up yeah. your confidence too. They kind of go hand in hand. Absolutely. So to finish up the discussion on Etsy, how has your shop evolved and where is it today? Well, we have moved from Etsy. Well, not totally moved. We still have our Etsy shop, but it doesn't do as well as it did back in the day. 
So now our main platform is actually our website, and we host that on Shopify. Great platform, super easy to use. Most makers I know use it because it's just so easy. But yeah, we do primarily all our sales currently on Shopify. But you do still have the Etsy site just for a sale here or there. Yes. And that's pretty much all it does now is sale here or there because it's very saturated now too on Etsy. Yeah. I mean, it used to be the place to go for handmade. Anyone who was handmade was on Etsy, it seems like. You're not the only one I've heard with in terms of the performance has decreased some. But Annie, super example of the fact that you've taken it now and gone over to whether it's a Shopify site or another site, but your own website, what you control, what you own. So I'm so glad that's part of your story. I had that on my little notes here that I wanted to walk into that. And I was like, keeping my fingers crossed that that was the case. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I feel like it's super important for all makers to have that one place where they could send their customers that's that belongs to them because like a platform like Etsy they could shut down or put you off the platform at any time for any reason so having your own is the best way to go and and even if you can't do it right off the bat it's always the perfect next step yeah I would also suggest that Etsy is a great proving ground To your point of in the beginning, you didn't really want to say anything. To be able to go to a place where you can get your feet wet, start testing your products, start getting a feel for it, because as you said, it's easy to put up. And then once you start getting established, always knowing that you need to have your own platform, but it can be a stepping stone to that. And now you use them both. So that's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you see as the differences in terms of the two platforms, in terms of the benefits? Like, I'm going to start it off by saying you have all of your customer information, right? Yes. That's one of the most powerful thing about it. You own this. You own the info that comes on there and you could follow up with these people as often as you like on your own platform. So someone said in an interview a while ago, and I just want to make sure that if that's true or not, that it used to be, and Amazon's the same way, that you don't get to know any information about your customer, except if you're shipping the product, you get the address. But is it still the case with Etsy that you don't get emails? You don't get them or you get them, but you're not supposed to use them? You do not get them, but they do offer an option where after your item has been shipped, you can reach out to the customers via a chat on Etsy just to say, hey, did you receive your product? How did you like it? Something like that. But emails, you don't get those. Okay. And at that point, could you ask them, hey, would you care to share your email with me? You're not supposed to. I think they said it somewhere in their rules where you're not supposed to ask for emails. But what I do is all my Etsy orders, they go out with literature about our business or platform. So I encourage them to go to my website in the future for any future purchase or stay connected with us via email or whether it be via uh, social media. So that's not against their policy. So you could do it that way, something around their policy. So it's a second best option because you still then have to rely on them to do it versus your website, you capture all the information. So still the best way to do it for sure. Let's move on. I also really, really like the fact that you had an online presence and then you were also right physical in front of the customer with the pop-ups. So and you said you, you started doing that just not too long after you put up the shop, right? The Etsy shop. Correct. Yes. And tell me how your first pop-ups looked, advice for people who should be considering it. Let's go through that experience. We'll hear all about Annie and her pop-up experience right after a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Well, first of all, my very first pop-up was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Your story can't be all great, Annie. So give us the terrible. (laughs) I want to know the terrible part. Oh, my God. It was so bad. I have pictures and I look back at it and I'm like, oh, my God, what happened there? (laughs) So our very first shop was pop-up, was at a library. I think we made one sale, one sale that entire day. So when I came home, I was just crushed. And our setup was just a table. They provided tables there. I had a tablecloth. I tried to make it look pretty as I could at the time. 
So it wasn't just you. There were several people who had tables. Yes, there were others who had tables and everybody, you kind of get that feeling too, like you're new and everybody around you is making sales and here you are with your new self doing absolutely nothing. I didn't know what to say to people. I didn't know how to sell my products. It was just a hot mess, (laughs) but I made it through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. What did you learn after you made your one sale? So you made a sale though, right? You made one. So there, but so you came home and you were discouraged and sad or whatever. What'd you tell yourself? What made you get back on the horse, if you will, and go out again? I think that same night I got an Etsy order. And I feel like that may have been one of the things that kept me going and making me want to try another pop-up. And then I started to just get in contact with other makers. It was super hard at the time to find people in my space that was doing the same thing. So I turned to Facebook and I came across some groups on Facebook and I just started pouring out all my questions because I wanted this really to work. So I was just going to put everything aside and just ask the questions that I needed to ask. And that's where I got a lot of suggestions, a lot of next steps, if you will, just advice on how to go about this pop-up experience. What was the biggest or best piece of advice that you weren't expecting to get that really helped you? This lady told me, and at the time when she told me, I said to myself, well, she had no idea what I went through getting just that one sale. But she said, just do it again. At the time, it just sounded extremely crazy because why would I want to put myself through all of this again? But she was absolutely right. There are so many markets with so many different audiences and not every market is going to be your market or your correct audience. So I took that, let it soak in for a little bit, and then I tried another market and it was much better than the first one. So what I learned from that is just keep trying different markets and kind of feel them out. Now we're in a time where we could feel out almost anything online, although it's not always as it seems, but you get a good feel for a market that's coming up. So just to see if the people that they they photograph there would be your people or if the setup looks like the look that your brand has. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There's so many variables to the face-to-face, whether it's a craft show or a pop-up or whatever. Weather plays a part Mm -hmm. in it, right? Some people who just want to do something casual on a weekend afternoon and go to the local craft show will go if it's great weather or decide to go to a movie instead if it's raining. Exactly. So I think your point of getting back out there is so good. You were just talking about Facebook groups. And for those of you who are listening who are looking for a group of makers, if you don't know about it already, we have a group called Gift Biz Breeze, all full of makers of all sorts. So you can find a great community there. And the reason I bring it up, Annie, is just because you were bringing up groups, but also there was a conversation in there just this past week, I believe, time goes fast, maybe it's a little longer, but recently, (laughs) recently, where someone was saying, I did a craft show. Oh my gosh, it was so much work. She didn't say whether she got sales or not, but she was saying, I don't know that I want to do them anymore because they're just so much work. Did you feel that way? And did it get easier over time as you continued to do pop-ups? It did feel that way and it still feels that way. Okay, so you do feel that it's a lot of work. Okay. It is a ton of work because you have to prepare for the show. Then you have to pack for the show. You get there, you have to set up. You have to unpack. You have to go through the entire day of working with customers, meeting and greeting and all that fun stuff. And then the show ends and you have to pull it all down, pack up and come back home. And in my case, I had to unpack those again and put them back on the shelves. So it is a lot. And I commend anyone who keeps on doing it because it's not easy, but it can still be so much fun. And it's a great way to get your brand out there. Right. Because a lot of people who will run into your product for the first time at a pop-up could then end up being an online customer down the road. Oh, yeah. And that's usually the case. Mm -hmm. Are you still doing pop-ups today? Oh, yes. I still do a lot of pop-ups. 
And I feel like it got harder because if you remember, I said my first show, I had that one table. But now for every show, you try to add a little more to the experience to make your booth look better and to give the customer that whole feel of your brand. And I feel like we've added so much more to our display and it just makes it so much harder, but it's totally worth it. I think so. I mean, I go out and do trade shows a lot and I totally agree with everything that you said in terms of the setup and the teardown and it's long days because you're interacting with people, but they're your mm-hmm. customers and you get to learn so much face to face. Not only do you deepen relationships, if you have repeat people coming back to you all the time. But you get a chance to see what sense they gravitate to. You get to ask them questions if you're introducing a new product. There's so much value to the craft shows. And even you, I still question about this shyness part of you, but just getting out and being able to talk to people, (laughs) even if it's a little anxiety provoking, is such a great thing to do. It is. And for a lot of us, it's not easy to sell our products online because I sell, for one, I do candles. So it's hard to just buy a candle online because you can't smell a thing. So I get to go to these shows and my customers, they can interact with with the product and I can learn what's really going to kick off or which sense I probably may need to pull pull back on because just by the feedback that you get from the customers or they're not even always customers but you have people just walk shows and you learn a lot from them also okay so tell me about the product that you had to discontinue so that candle when I would go to the shows I would have customers just you know they won't always say it from time to time you'll have that one person who goes oh my god this is terrible But sometimes you'll just know from their expressions, like, yeah, this one is not sticking at all. Mm -hmm. We eventually just pulled it. And you would never have known. You could have just been pushing it and pushing it online forever and making more and making more. And so that's a great example of the type of thing that you can learn when you're face to face. Oh, yeah, because in my head, it was amazing. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, of course, you wouldn't have put it out there unless it was amazing. Yeah, I'm quite sure. I think there's something else that we discount about the face-to-face interactions, and that is people get to know you, Annie. Like, they get to meet you in person. They get to see what you're like just as a person, and then they fall in love with you, and then they want to support you. That is so true. So even though it still has to do with the product, they're going to buy your candles over anybody else's because they know you now, right? And they got to meet you and pictures or whatever it is. That is so true. And they say, they have a saying that people don't buy products, they buy you. And I never fully understood that until I started doing these markets. Like, it has really nothing to do with these things that I'm selling. Because you, sometimes you'd go to a show and I'm not the only one there selling candles or bath and body products. But people would come back to my station to buy. And I would ask, why did you come back? Or just saying, thanks for coming back. And they would say, yeah, I love either your setup, I love your story, I love what you're about. Mm -hmm. And I took that and that for me also helps to push me to do these shows as tiring as it may be, just to get out there and let the people see who's really behind this and why I do it. Yeah, I agree with you totally. So good. That's really good inspiration for people to keep going with the face-to-face actions, whether it's craft shows, farmer's markets, pop-ups, whatever it is, getting in front of your customer is golden for sure. Oh, yes, it is. Anything you would suggest or that you've learned if someone's just starting to go out to shows in terms of booth setup, maybe something that you forgot to bring along with you, any just quick last-minute tips on that? I would encourage anyone who's either just starting to do pop-ups to just do it. As I said in the beginning, action over perfection, just do it. And it's easier to say it, but don't look at someone else's booth and just think because you can't make your booth look like this at this time that you're not going to do it. Because we all fall into that trap where we compare ourselves to people from time to time. But if this is going to be your first pop-up, your booth is not going to look like the person who's been doing pop-ups for 10 years. I feel like we still are not even where I envisioned my booth, but we've been growing from one table. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need. Like, you grow. For each show, you get better and you get better. And you always forget something. Like, I feel like... I- forget something at every show that I go to. (laughs) But thankfully, I've been able to work alongside some amazing fellow makers who always kind of catch me up on that end. 
But yeah, just start where you have to start or where you feel is best for you to start. I wouldn't break the bank to do my very first pop-up just because you don't even know what it's going to be like. So just start where you feel is best for you. Right. And I think you can be really creative with your booth displays too. They don't have to cost hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. You know, just add a little bit of creativity and let your product be the focal point, obviously. Exactly. You want to put things together that are going to show off your product. So you already have the main star of the booth, which is you and your product. And then you just work around that. Oh, yeah. You just make it work. And I'm pretty sure all the makers listening, they are all creatives and can make the booth work as best as they can. Because that's what we do. (laughs) That's right. And you want the colors to represent your brand, right? So as long as you have already determined what your logo is or your brand colors are. So you've got your product, you've got you, you've got your colors. Then you work around that. Exactly. Just make sure your booth is welcoming, inviting, somewhere that people would feel comfortable stepping into. And from that, it's pretty much you just see how the show goes. You work it as it comes. Work it, adjust, perfect, do another one. Yep, as it comes. Rinse and repeat, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) Get better each time. Trust me, it gets better each time. Perfect. Let's talk a little bit about social media. How are you using social media as an overlay to everything else you're doing? We use a lot of social media, particularly Instagram is a big one for us. I just started to really amp up Facebook and we do a good amount on Pinterest too, but not a lot of focus on it. Mm-hmm. Instagram is where I kind of get to share the products, the behind the scenes stuff. My kids, because they're here all the time with me when I'm working, so you'll see them pop in on our stories, on our feed. It just makes it personable, Instagram for us. It's kind of like what we were just talking about in the pop-ups. They get to see you in real life. That's the closest you can do online to people who shop from your Etsy shop or your website to be able to really see who you are too. Oh, yeah. Live and in person through the phone or the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So how much time do you spend then either planning or videoing and posting and all that? What's a day like of social media for you? Because I think that's a challenge for everybody. They know they should be doing it. But how do you incorporate that into your day? It is a challenge. And some weeks are better than some. I'll be honest and saying I don't always have my social media planned out. It's said that you're supposed to have it at least a week or a couple of weeks out, but I don't always have that done just because of timing. But when I do, on the rare occasions that I do get to plan it, I like to plan at least my feed two weeks ahead. And sometimes I will random post or post that feels right for a particular day or if it's a particular event that we're doing that we'll add it in there. But I try to not make my feed stress me out too much. Because I usually do a lot and I'm really getting much better at it and just going back to having fun on social media other than make it another job to do. That feels so good to hear you say that. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking right to me. It is a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It is a lot of work. Do you see when you do social media? Okay, so do is such a common word, right? But when you're posting or you have put up some stories, I'm guessing that you're interacting in the direct messages and connecting with people back and forth. Yes, I do. Okay. Are you seeing results from social media? Yes. And a lot of our website traffic and sales comes from Instagram. Recently, since we started doing a little more work on Facebook, we've been getting some traction there too. But most, I would say at least 70% of our business comes through Instagram. Okay. And how are you tracking to know where they're coming from? We do Google Analytics and Shopify has a great analytics tool that shows us where our traffic is coming from too. Perfect. Okay. So you're using Google Analytics to understand where they're coming from right before they land on your site. So that's how you're able to know those things. Yes. And I know Google Analytics, it's a lot to look at. So I would encourage anyone to just use the analytics tool in Shopify. If you use Shopify, that analytics tool really breaks it down. Great for me. Perfect. Yes. Google Analytics is a beast. Oh, geez. Yeah. If you just start with thinking, what is it that I want to know? 
before mm-hmm. looking at all the information and trying to say, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Just go with a question and then get your answer. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. How do you capture repeat sales? We really stepped up our email marketing. So emailing customers, we also periodically send out mailers. So that may be a postcard to or repeat customers. But primarily, it has been a lot of our repeat customers comes through email and also pop-up shops because we're located in Connecticut and we do a lot of shops down in New York. So we find a lot of customers who probably only have ever shopped on our website, they'll come out to a pop-up shop or just new people coming to meet us and see us. So we get a lot of our repeats that way. Perfect. Yeah. Constant communication. And then that's just the emphasis on the fact that you want to be able to have the emails so that you can email them and then also be in person and see them. When you break it down like that, it's really not so hard. It's just doing Mm -hmm. the things because everything we've talked about. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to go to a craft show and put everything together. It's physical hard work. But actually doing all of these tasks is not insurmountable. And I think that's an important message to get to some of the people who are just starting out is all these things aren't hard unto themselves. Would you agree, Annie? That is so true. Yes, totally agree. What would you say to somebody who is just starting out? Besides the perfection, and you've already said before, just do a craft show, whatever. But what would be another piece of advice as someone who has started a business, you've got kids at home on the side, not that they're the, a side of your life, but right like beside you, <laughs> right? Literally. <laughs> yeah, like you aren't making any excuses to say, I'll do this later. You just decided this is what you wanted to do. And you've started your business and it's going wonderfully and you've got lots of avenues of revenue coming in. What would you say to someone who's just starting but is hesitant to get started because they've got these other significant things going on in their life? Yeah, I would say just start. It is not easy, but once you find something that you love doing, you'll just end up doing it anyways. I mean, I have my two children here. I still work from home and I work around their schedule. You make it work whatever way you can. And things will fall into place. A lot of people ask me how I balance it. And I still feel like there is no balancing. I like to say I juggle. Like I do what needs to be done right now. And everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah, I like that. You're a juggler. Who knew? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think also with little kids, every week is going to be different. And then when they get to be school age, your schedule adjusts. So it's going to change over time when you have children at home. It's constantly changing. And it goes way too fast. Oh, yeah. And this summer is actually my first summer working with both kids at home. And that has been a challenge because I'm used to having one in school, one in daycare. But now they're both here and I'm home. So you just got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. What's going to come first? What time am I going to work? But we make it work. You make it work one way or the other and get help when you need to, because if you're going to grow, you will never be able to do it by yourself. So always try to get help as soon as possible and whenever you can. Yeah, agree with you there. And you know what? The kids aren't going to wait until you're ready. So the priority has to be the children when you're home. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Annie, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much. I've loved getting to know you better, hearing your story, and it's always exciting when I get to hear exactly the way I like to teach people how to build a business to hear you saying that don't just rely on Etsy have your own website and don't hide force through your shyness or your uncertainty and go out and meet your customer I love hearing all of that I'm smiling over here because I'm so excited to find yet another person who is doing a fabulous job with something that they make you know, you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your sharing your story. And now I'd like to give you a virtual gift. So this is a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for what's next for you. It could be your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you'd wish to obtain. So please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What's inside your box? Inside my box, I feel like it's not unreachable, but it's a goal that I have, a very big one, is to have my business streamlined 
to a T where I don't have to be here all the time or I don't have to be 100% a part of the day-to-day activities so I can spend much more time with my family. So that's what I'm currently working towards. How far away it is, not sure, but it's the goal. (laughs) There you go. If you don't know where you're going, you can't get there. That is true. Yep. I totally see that happening for you easily. But you're right. I mean, you've got to figure out when the right time is and how you're going to do it. But it's going to happen. Yes. I know that. (laughs) Oh, yes. I can feel it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and see your wonderful products? What's the best place for them to go? Our website is naturalanniessentials.com. Easiest way to probably contact us is via Instagram. I'm in my DMs a lot and I utilize that record feature a lot so people can ask me questions if they needed to. But we're big on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at naturalanniessentials. It's a very long one. Totally sorry. That's okay. You're making them work for it because your product is worth it. (laughs) There you go. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. And Gift Biz listeners, you know, there's a show notes page connected with this episode. So it will have all the links also just in case you're out and about and you weren't able to capture it right now. So Annie, again, for all the reasons I've already mentioned, you are a perfect example of a successful business owner. And I am so proud and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. Have a great day. Isn't Annie inspiring? Those of you who have other important things going on in your life, so pretty much I think that's all of us, remember this example of how it's possible to integrate your business into a life that also includes raising children or working another full-time job. And if that's what's been holding you back from starting your business... I challenge you to relook at this. Is that really it? Or is this a good excuse to procrastinate once again on your dream? Annie's proof that it's possible. And if you get that, but you're not sure how to move forward, then definitely check out Makers MBA. I'll tell you exactly what to do to get your business up and rocking. Again, the link to look at the program is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash Makers MBA. Coming your way next week, we'll be hearing from a business owner who's got a keen eye for current market trends and has aligned her company accordingly. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, so the show will automatically download and be set and ready for listening next Monday. Until then, make it a great week and bye for now. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those of you who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.